What's up, everybody? I'm Kente Scott, and that is... Shonda Scott. My sister, and this is What Sibling Rivalry, the podcast. Joining you again in this Zoom Life Quarantine Edition. How you doing, sister? I'm doing well. I know it's been a uh, hundred-something days of quarantine, so we've yeah. been zooming in. Almost four months of this new Zoom lifestyle, but we got a lot of content in during this time, so... That's true. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. I'm excited about our show today. Yes. Because uh, our Congresswoman Barbara Lee, they have a, a film about her, a documentary, and we've known her like most of our lives. So it's, right. it's nice to see her story on the, that'll come on the big screen. Yeah. And to be able to actually uh, catch her for a moment to, to, to be interviewed. So I was excited about that. Yeah. That's a quarantine blessing. Exactly. To do that. Yeah. Yeah. So... She'll be joining us shortly, as well as uh, the producer of the documentary. We'll, we'll get her insight on on how she came about the project and how was it working with Congresswoman Barbara Lee. And it's interesting because the story, so much of it is depicted in Oakland, because that's, you know, Congresswoman Lee covers Oakland as part of her district. Right. And that's the history in Oakland. It's like a lot of our childhood memories are told in this story of her her life, you know, just what was going on with the the Black Panthers right. and just things that are happening in the community that actually happened. She went to Mills College in Oakland, just in mm -hmm. Oakland. So um, a lot of the story is in our, our our neck of the woods. So it all ties into our what sibling rivalry, how we grew up, right. our family upbringing. Yeah, and it it'll be uh, a good. Um reminder or educational uh, point for the next generation who might, who coming up in a different Oakland, like who that might, that the Black Panthers are so far removed from the young people of Oakland is almost like no, no, you know, no uh, historical monuments or anything that even uh, reflects that in the city. So this would be good so they can see how Oakland was really made. Some of the things that the Panthers did that actually are changed the nation. Like yes. They did things to feed the uh, the children in schools because right. most kids weren't eating before the free breakfast meals. And that's what started it in the nation doing it for the school programs. Yeah. And, so, and as well as the uh, free health clinics that they started in Oakland which now have been a staple across the country, like you said. So. Right. Well, in the film, she talks about that and gives a lot of credit to yeah. that, um, it'll be interesting to feel, see how she feels about the Black Lives Movement compared to the Black Panther Movement. But um, she also credits, not in the film, but just whenever she speaks and, you know, she even told uh, our First Lady Michelle Obama when uh, we first met her that the, the Congresswoman told her that uh, mommy and daddy were the first ones to give her very first fundraiser for uh, wow. Barbara Lee. So it was to see the story and see the evolution of how she became an elected official and to know like, oh, that's when that happened that, you know, she had right. to, you know, she just, she wasn't out there to be a politician. And that's what I like about her story. And many of the ones that I support and follow, it's mm -hmm. like, they're not there to be a politician for the glam and the celebrity. They did it to be a true public servant. Right. And she didn't want to do it. They, they, asked her to do it. She was anti all of that, you know, so right. it's interesting, but her first elected uh, fundraiser, um, mommy hosted and daddy at the house. Oh, well, so, you yeah. know, they, 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 they did that. And then, and then you uh, hosted the first one in Northern California for uh, the Obamas. And that's how that relationship got started. 
are the first one that blew up, I should say. I don't know and, who and, was the first and, one. And Mrs. Obama actually told, when she told uh, Mommy, uh, Mommy was there, and Congresswoman Lee and, and uh, First Lady Obama, uh, Michelle Obama, and she said, when she told her about Mommy doing the first fundraiser, she, mm -hmm. she looked at Mommy, Michelle Obama looked at Mommy and said, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, Congresswoman Lee was such a big supporter and she was the first elected official to right. endorse President Obama, you know, federal, national official. Mm -hmm. Of course, Kamala was right there initially with him, but the nationally and the first right. Black Caucus member was, um, and first person in Congress to endorse him was uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee. So yeah. she was such a supporter when he got in office to help him and he re they relied on him that she she was like, thank you. Because that fundraiser we did in Oakland was when they first got in office. So, you know, it was intense at the moment. Yeah. So she was happy to have, you know, Congresswoman, they were happy to have Congresswoman Lee there in right. their fist to be there for them. So they call her the conscience of Congress. Yes. And the film, it really shows like how they how she was just out there and they, you know, she was trying to get everybody with her and they said, you know, now in retrospect, they're like, we, we should have right. stood with her. And it's, it's almost uh, parallel to Colin Kaepernick. Like somebody, they always let you stand alone when you're standing on your principles. And then hindsight is 2020 and they're like, we, we definitely should have listened to you more. But it's like, when you have, it's a reason why it's your conscience. Like, you know, we don't like listen you have to that kind of conviction. Like you're yeah. just, your conviction is that I'm going to do what's right. And, right. I, and your spirit won't let you turn from it. And time and time again, you're yeah, like, right. Exactly. Because if, if, if somebody's that convicted at, at the very least, you, you should take a pause and be like, why are they so adamant about this position of, right of when it's so much easier to just be like, yeah, I'll vote for that. Or yeah, just let that happen. I won't make any waves. But if somebody's standing for something so strong, you gotta be, it, it, I would think your common sense would be like, well, let me see, let me at least hear them out to see why they're standing like that. And maybe let me think about why I'm not. Right. But you know, the courage it takes for people to do that. Yeah. I mean, it's it. You feel it all in your stomach, your bubble. Right. You know, it's like that's why I said people have to start uh, learning how to stand on that. And you just want to know what makes people have that level of courage. We're just so excited to one get you on for the podcast, and two about this film that actually depicts your life. I mean, it tells your whole story, even to the happy part of where you are right now. Well, thank you, Sharonda, for those kind remarks. But let me just say, this, this film was done by a phenomenal woman, uh, Abby Ginsberg, and her team. And it was so hard for me to get to yes. Um, <laughs> I reluctantly, and I mean reluctantly, said yes. And if you know Abby, I tell everyone, it's hard to say no. But I think I probably was one of her um, <laughs> subjects that was most difficult to get to yes because uh well first i'm too busy <laughs> you know to to i couldn't even put on makeup or anything and then she just caught me wherever i was doing whatever i was doing and it was like oh no abby please but i have to just give her a lot of credit for that as well as i'm so happy that uh, the jewish film institute they're putting this out on my birthday if you can believe that <laughs> <laughs> yeah, happy birthday. Perfect. Hey, happy birthday. I, yeah, I'm telling you. And it's like, I haven't been to a drive-in 
movies. Um, since I was about 19, which, you know, a few years ago. So right. that's exciting, too, that it's going to be at a drive-in theater. And uh, the other thing about the Jewish Film Institute is that way back in the day, my son, you know, Tony, was a filmmaker. And they uh, released and uh, previewed his film, The Fire Next Time, mm. uh, at the United Artists Theater on University Avenue. And no one knew that. And so oh, here wow. they did his film and my film. And, and no one even knew it until I realized one night, wait a minute, I called Tony, said, yeah, that's the institute that did his. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And um, doing, I tell you, doing this film, it, it was rough on Abby. <laughs> it was, <laughs> yeah, but how long she followed you since 2016, right? To tell the story? Yeah, at least four years. Yeah, right. she probably could have done it with someone more um, compliant in about <laughs> um, eight months. <laughs> Six or eight months, and it took four years. And it was just um, a remarkable journey. But, you know... Uh, I, my mother, and you know my mother, anytime I say, well, I can't do that. Girl, can't is not in the dictionary. Yes, you can. And so from day one, it was like, yes, you can. So it's no big deal to do what I do. And then uh, secondly, you know, my mother, even though she didn't call herself a feminist, she was a true feminist. I mean, she did not take uh, second, she did not walk in back of anybody and she didn't um, flinch when it came to her and what she was doing and breaking glass ceiling. She was one of the first 12 uh, students to integrate the University of Texas at El Paso. Wow. She was one of the first black, she was the first black civilian to work at Fort Bliss, Texas. And for her, it was just like, I got to do this, not right. only for me, but for everybody, every black person. So it was no big deal. So I grew up. Uh, with my mother just doing it and saying, you better not take a vaccine to anybody, whether they're white or whether they're a man or, or a boy or whatever. You know, don't don't say you can't do this because you're a girl. I mean, come right. on. Right. So I was raised with some pretty tough love. <laughs> and yeah. I guess that's what how I got to be who I am. And when I was in San Fernando High School, uh, I wanted to be a cheerleader. I was 15. And they had a little committee that mm. selected cheerleaders and you had to be blonde and blue eyed. Oh. And I said, I don't look like that, <laughs> so I, but I want to be a cheerleader. <laughs> so I went to the NAACP, John Manson, Carl McRaven, who headed up the NAACP. I was doing work study at the Pacoima Lutheran Credit Union and Carl McRaven and John were both uh, officers and directors of that credit union as well as NAACP, and I told them my plight and what I wanted to do. And they went up to the school with me and we helped organize and got that school to change the rules in terms of cheerleader selection. I mind you, I'm 15. Right, wow. and, and you're 15 I'm, doing this. Yeah. I'm 15, and I mean, it, it, I didn't blink because right. it was something I wanted to do. Guess what, I tried out and in front, okay? And I was elected as the first black cheerleader in San Fernando at San Fernando yeah. High, and that was my first election. We're here on this earth only one time, and so you have to come to grips with who you are, what you want to do, and how you want to live in the space you're in. And for me, it's public service and, and fighting against injustices. And so, you know, wherever that happens, I have to do it. And yeah, I'm a person of faith, a woman of faith, and believe you me, I do a lot of praying. <laughs>
right. and, and, and Jesus was a revolutionary and, com and commanded us to feed the hungry mm -hmm. and, and commanded us to visit those in prison and commanded us to do justice and seek righteousness. And so, I, you know, it's just in me to do it. And yeah, I, it's not easy. But a lot, you know, Shonda, you, you know what? Um, black women, though, do this all the time. And as Dr. Maya Angelou said, and still we rise. And so it's not just me. You know, black women, right. you know, rise all the time to the occasion wherever they find themselves. I mean, we help build this country. Right. <laughs> so come on, yeah. you know? Nurtured this country. And right. you, you mentioned uh, Jesus was a revolutionary, and you also recognize another revolutionary party, the Black Panther Party in the film. Uh, my question is, now that it's 2020 and there's another revolutionary movement happening with Black Lives Matter, how do you think in 30 years later from now, they'll be viewed or how would you want them to be viewed from their accomplishments? Well, I tell you, I'm so proud of Black Lives Matter, first of all. And I see this as a continuation of the movement in 2020. As a community worker with the Black Panther Party, so much of what um, Black Lives Matter stands for, the Black Panther Party stood for, uh, in terms of police uh, misconduct and murders and brutality, in terms of systemic change. And one thing about uh, Black Lives Matter and the movement for Black Lives is that very similar to the Black Panther Party, they're talking about not tinkering around the edges, but dealing with systemic racism and structural racism. And not, not just, uh, you know, playing around with policies and programs that uh, may or may not work. So I really admire them. And uh, I know a lot of what they're going through. You know, I have to watch the whole, you know, I, I was in the middle of calling Telpro when the FBI came in, tried to mess, well, did mess with the Black Panther Party. You should see my file. It's like this, <laughs> you know. So we have to watch out for the FBI and the Black extremist movement a program of the FBI, which we've been dealing with as a Black caucus. And so we have to really support them because they're making the change that this country and the world so desperately needs. Speaking of history, Shirley Chisholm, what was that like for you working with her campaign? Because her working with her really set the tone for us to have Congresswoman Barbara Lee. Like she planted seeds in you that just made you just blossom. What was it like working with her on her historic campaign? I was Black Student Union president at Mills College. I had a big afro, two little kids <laughs> on welfare, said, I'm not going to participate in this political system. And I mean, it was not like I was apathetic, but I just knew it didn't work for me. It didn't work for me as a Black woman on public assistance. Those three guys running for president, McGovern, Muskie, and Humphrey, and all of them, forget it. So I didn't register to vote, but I had a class in, at Mills in government and part of the requirement was to work in a field uh, in a campaign mm -hmm. and i told dr mullins my professor i said flunk me <laughs> and i've never flunked a class but i said i am not working in any of those guys campaigns so just flunk me but at the same time as president black student union i had a budget so i invited the first african-american woman elected to congress to come speak to the student union and shirley chisholm was the first woman elected she came and she said she was running for president in her speech Wow. Now, mind you, she spoke fluent Spanish. A lot of people don't know that. She mm. was bilingual all the way. She uh, talked about immigrant rights. She talked about ending poverty. She was against the Vietnam War. A lot of women don't know it, but she was on the board of NARAL for reproductive rights for women and wanted black women as part of the movement. 
So I told her about this class and I said, well, maybe I will now that I hear you and meet you. How do I get involved in your campaign? She says, well, I'd leave it up to my local people. I don't have a lot of money for a national campaign. So it's like find out the organization. She says, but I really want you to help me. So I ended up calling Sandra Swanson, who was head of the um, Blacks, the student body president, Laney College, Wilson Riles Jr., who was also a student, mm-hmm. and Sandy Gaines, who was a president of the Black of the student body at Mills. We got together, and do you know we organized the Shirley Chisholm Northern California Black Cam- uh, Northern California campaign out of my class at Mills College. I got an A at the class. It took about eight or nine percent of the vote in Alameda County. And I went on to Miami as a Shirley Chisholm delegate. And from that day forward, (laughs) I met Ron. And then I became part of Ron's operation, worked as an intern during Watergate for Ron Dellums. And he was like my my idol. I mean, he was a statesman and he, he and Shirley were really close, too. So while I didn't work on Shirley Chisholm's staff, I got a chance to be with her here in Washington, D.C. at the Capitol. Just because of our time, too, the movie shows a lot about these stories that you show. That's why people have got to see this movie, Truth to Power, Robert Lee Speaks. It's incredible. (laughs) Um, But just real quick, too, just what do you want everybody to get from the film? I I want everybody to realize um, we've come a long way in terms of this country addressing um, discrimination, but we have not come a long way as it relates to systemic racism. And when we look at the disproportionate rates of uh, COVID as it impacts black people, when you look at the wealth gap, when you look at the barriers to uh, economic development and and black business uh, entrepreneurship and and financial uh, investments and the banking system, when you look at everything, that um, keeps black people uh, in many ways in chains, (laughs) mass incarceration. We've got to connect that with 401 years ago, the Mm. middle passage. Those chains of slavery have not been broken. And so we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. So I'm encouraging everyone to support reparations, HR 40, and support my legislation, HR 100, calling for a truth, racial healing and transformation committee commission, which 40 countries around the world have done, which brings this country to their day of reckoning in terms of telling the truth, uh, which we've never done in a public setting about slavery, the historical context for what is happening today. That's the only way a country can move forward to truth and and to healing and transformation. And Mm -hmm. so I want people to really start making those connections and saying, that we have to deal with the underlying issues that we're facing, and that is forcing America to deal with systemic racism and to reform this country in terms of its policies, its priorities, and make sure that justice, racial justice, it becomes the order of the day rather than racism. Yeah. Well, that was amazing. Okay. That was that was that was my question as well, but. We want to thank you, uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee, for the time and the insight and the information. Uh, we are we're going to check out your movie. It, it, oh, happy good. birthday! It's dropping <laughs> on your birthday, so everybody at home will be able to to watch it, which is great. During this time, we can sit and, and just get all the history that you have been a part of uh, and are continuing to write as you go forward. But- Thank you. I really appreciate this. And one thing the film didn't capture because it would have been a, this another movie is 
is is the international work and foreign policy work that I've done because I want African Americans especially to recognize that it's our duty as a global citizen to be very connected to Africa, the Caribbean, and our global family. And so, so much of my work has taken me to normalize relations with Cuba, to work on Middle East policy, to make sure that trade opportunities and investment opportunities are there in Africa and, and all over the world. And so I want black people, especially, and people of color to recognize that they're part of the global family. And so all of my international work is the subject, I don't know of another movie, but we need to talk <laughs> about why black people need to be involved in foreign policy and international relations. Yes. That could be the next chapter. That could be another. Everything I'm doing domestically, I have another track that I'm doing internationally. <laughs> right. Wow. Thank you. You, yeah. you you ever inspire us, and we just thank you that you are here. Well, you, you all inspire me and keep it together uh, on the front lines in my district, and, and I'm really proud of you, Shonda, and all of you for doing thank what you're doing. Yeah. You. Yep. Tell your mother and daddy hi for me. My very first fundraiser was at your house when I first ran for the assembly in 1990. Wow. And that, that part in the film just touches me because I'm like, oh, these moments. Oh, so yeah, daddy's birthday is on, on the 12th and yours is on the 16th. 16th. You'll be celebrating your birthday week with your debut of this film, Truth to Power, Barbara Lee Speaks. Okay, thanks a lot. Thank Good you. seeing you. Thank you so okay. much. Okay. To keep up with the latest on What Sibling Rivalry podcast, please subscribe to us on your favorite platform. On Apple Podcasts, click on the subscribe button. And please don't forget to leave us a review and rating. On Spotify, click on the follow button under our picture. And on Stitcher, click on the plus sign under our picture this will keep you up to date on all the fun and funny. Good to meet you. And Bar uh, the Congresswoman just spoke so highly of your work. And we, I can see it because the film is just incredible. Oh, just a great job. Um, just taking her history, just from her beginnings, to even to where she is right now with her happy new chapter, I should say. Happy new chapter, yeah. yeah. Happy new chapter. Um, but, you know, First, I'm really just curious, how did you come up with Barbara Lee as the subject? Because, you know. So, okay, so, you know, you, okay. So I've been a documentary filmmaker for quite a while. And for whatever reason, I have sort of found myself interested in profiling people who a lot of people should know about, but don't. Mm -hmm. And even though Barbara is, sort, I would say, more visible than some of the other characters I've done, um, she still is not well known outside of the Bay Area. So I felt like she kind of fit my profile of somebody whose life has a really key intersection with history. So while you're telling a story about an individual, you're in a moment. So when she says, you know, I was a volunteer for the Black Panther Party, we're in the Black Panther Party moment. Um, when she says, um, you know, working on AIDS-related things, we're in a larger AIDS story. So it's like I, I knew enough about her life story to know that things that I personally care about and things that I've worked on in my life, we're going to get to make it into the film. My question is, because uh, Congresswoman Barbara Lee hinted at it, what was your process with, have, with being able to, to convince her to tell her story? <laughs> yes. Okay, so, I mean... 
<laughs> this I did not understand how much she was camera phobic. She is like she hates having a camera on her. So that is so it's like she is on the news three times a week doing a stand up for MSNBC or even in the Zoom thing that you might have just done with her. That's fine. What she doesn't like is that there may be some spontaneous thing that happens, you know, between her and a constituent, whatever. So what was really hard for her, I think, was to imagine, you know, I'm with the camera, I'm, it's not me, but my camera person. And she just sort of resists it. And then slowly but surely, she warmed up to it in the course of the filming. So one of the reasons she didn't want me to do it is the idea of just sort of, quote, following her around. That's, you know, that really did not have her name on it. Um, and it took her a while to get more comfortable. So for example, where you see the, where we're driving through Oakland, there is no way, you know, we're driving through Oakland and she's talking about the homeless encampments that she's seeing and she's talking about her own experience having been a victim of domestic violence. That never would have happened in the first year or two of filming. Mm. You know what I mean? It took, it took building trust it took her understanding that I was going to, you know, make a film that was sort of complimentary and not derogatory of her. You know, it took a long time to get to the point where she could do that drive around with me. So as the filmmaker, you know, how did her life telling her story impact you as a storyteller? Just and Well, I, I just said this actually in a thing we're going to use for the, um, the opening of the Jewish Film Festival where we're going to show it for the first time. Um, I think it saved, I, I think telling Barbara Lee's story and that being my job over the last three to four years saved me from a major depression I would have been in wow. based on what's going on in the world. So it's like if you're telling the story of one of the fiercest fighters and somebody who gets up every day and kind of puts on her battle shoes and just goes in, you know, takes it to the floors of Congress, takes it to wherever else she has to take it to, and that's my job is to tell that story. I'm inspired every friggin' day. <laughs> and if I was working on something else, I am not sure how these last years would have impacted me. So I feel like my positive energy was maintained because I was working on this fabulous story about this incredible woman. And I didn't go, in, I, you know, as I say, I started this before Trump was elected. So I didn't know how much I was going to need to be telling this story for my own sanity. We asked yeah. uh, Congress, Congresswoman uh, Lee what she wanted the audience to take from it. But what, as, as the producer and director and documentarian, what do you want the audience, the message you would like the audience to take from it? Well, I think another thing that is, uh, okay, so one of the messages about Barbara Lee is, what it means to be true to your principles, even when you're the only one saying no or saying yes or fighting for something. Mm -hmm. And I really appreciated that back in the day when she voted no against the AUMF and did that alone. And I don't think I understood. I mean, I, you know, I personally was inspired by somebody being able to kind of vote their conscience in that way. And you could feel her voice breaking on the floor of Congress when she did it. But what I don't think I fully understood is how important that is now to some of the younger members. I mean, there's a thing in the film where AOC says it. She says, when I'm out here by myself, I really think about Barbara Lee's example. And it empowers me to do the right thing and to, you know, to vote my conscience. 
And often she and Barbara aren't even on the same side. And that's fine. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes AOC is out there with the Green New Deal and ain't nobody else with her. Mm -hmm. So one thing I want people to take away, you know, is how important it is to have principles, to stick to principles, and to both take the heat sometime you have to have when you stick to your principles, but to have a long-term faith that in the end, if you're on the right side of history, history will acknowledge you. It took Barbara 18 years to get Congress, you know, to vote the right way with her about taking back congressional authority and not just giving it to any president. And she stuck to it for 18 years. And now she can at least say, well, at least, you know, members of the House have stood with me in a majority vote. Well, I tell you, so I, I took away courage and inspiration. And even though we've known the Congresswoman most of our lives, um, it still inspired me, the film. It was still pieces I didn't know and I still left out of there like, you know what, that's why every time you're in a room or at a table, you just have to bring that courage to speak up for what's right and do what's right in everybody's moment. So I think people can pull that out of each of their moments because she didn't, she, they show the whole story. You show the whole story of just that process in hindsight, too, all the people who didn't stand for how she was just there by herself, how that, you know, that moment and everyone can relate to that level of fear and like not wanting to speak up and do what's right, even if it's against bullying or, you know, making sure someone's not being picked on just to be able to use your voice to see how it worked out and how that actually was a benefit to all. And then to see all the people that said, and we should have stood with her, you know, it's like and to be, to see that kind of vindication in this film actually is a, is, is a great part of the story. And that's just a piece of the film story. I mean, there's so many pieces in this film that tells where courage, you know, like you said. Well, well, you know, I, let me say one other thing. I think Barbara is, you know, again, I didn't know what anybody was going to say to me when I scheduled an interview. I mean, I assumed they were going to say something nice because they wouldn't have said yes otherwise. <laughs> but I had no idea what people would say. I think Barbara is incredibly beloved in Congress. Mm -hmm. And she's not strident. I mean, she's incredibly fierce, but she's not strident. She's currently on the Democratic Platform Committee, you know, trying to negotiate all these, you know, kind of the right wing and the left wing of the party. And she's sort of really carved out a place for herself in the middle. So I think, you know, I think she is using what, what Gwen Moore calls her advanced tenure to really good ends right now. You know, and I think we should all be inspired by that. Our, our that podcast is about our childhood growing up in the Bay Area, Oakland, and all these things that are best, you know, practices for young people to know now. And the drive-in, the, the fact that the shelter in place has brought back the drive-in, I would have never imagined. Crazy. Right. Me right. either. But it is like this, when, when they came to me and said, would you have the, would you let the Barbara Lee film be screened here? I thought, well, this is the closest I'm going to get to a communal event in the next year, probably. Right. right. So it's like if I didn't want it to be on Zoom, that I'd better go to the drive-in. <laughs> I think the drive-in's good. Right. I think it's going to be really fun. And we're all excited about going back to the drive-in. This is so perfect. Yeah. I have one question for you as yes. a filmmaker, uh, Abby. How how is it? You know, you're so invested in in the film and the, the, your your subject's life. Uh, this time is Barbara Lee for, like you said, four years. And now yeah. it's three days, four days away from it being released uh, across the nation. How, how, it, how do you feel 
is it is it you feel like a, a mother whose child is going off to college now or how is that that is exactly how i feel i'm proud of it there's no question i'm proud of it i'm really grateful that i chose barbara as my subject you know mm. there's no i mean I only felt stronger and stronger and stronger about that the longer I got into the filmmaking. You know, at year two, I was happy. By year three, I was totally committed. And by year four, I was like, this is a great choice. You really, right. you know, this is a good idea. Um, <laughs> so, so I, you know, in that sense, I, I totally stand behind it. Um, but I'm, yeah, I'm a little nervous. What can I say? I always right. am. And, you know, you're afraid, like, the sound isn't going to sound good or something. Right. You know, who knows? Right. And it's and art. Too, it's like art, in a sense. So you just, you know, it's like your personal expression, in a sense. And so yeah. you just feel that connected to it. So that's a good thing. Well, great job and truth to power. Barbara Lee Speaks for Me. We will be supporting it. And we want people to go and see it because it's incredible. Yeah. Okay, so I t tell people that where they get their tickets is www.jfijewishfilminstitute.org slash Barbara Lee. And you can buy a ticket anytime until probably an hour before, but you have to buy your ticket and put it in your windshield. So you can't go to the theater and just assume there's a ticket agent there. There isn't. Okay, so everybody has to buy their ticket ahead of time, one ticket per car. And what was the website again? www.jfi.org slash Barbara Lee. And it takes you right to where you buy a ticket. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure. It was our pleasure as well. Thank, thank you, you for having me. So nice to meet you in person. Oh, as I said, so I, I heard you on the news. <laughs> thank you. We'll see each other again. We will, definitely. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks. Bye, bye All right, sister. So that was our amazing uh, Barbara Lee. Uh, we got to talk to the Congresswoman, as well as Abby Ginsburg, who was the producer, director, creator of the Barbara Lee story, uh, Speak Truth. Was it Speak Truth? What is it? Uh, truth to Power. Barbara truth Lee speaks power. for me. That was amazing. This was a great, because uh, you could just feel the excitement about it. I'm excited to see it. And I love our podcast, because it's always what, sister? It's all about love. Yes. Yeah. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. So please follow us on Instagram, subscribe to us on YouTube, subscribe to us on all the uh, I, uh, pop, spot, uh, podcast platforms, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, everything. What's the one right podcast? <laughs> yes. So SoundCloud as well. Check us out. Sister, I love you. Uh, great to see you always. You too, brother. Thank goodness for Zoom. I can Thank still you. see you in a quarantine. <laughs> exactly. You can still get it done. Yep. All right. See you later. All right. See you. We go. We go.